we continue on our series with heaven, as you see today is titled Current Heaven, which is probably not a term that you've used a lot in your days, um, but it uh, hopefully will be helpful as we think about it today. Um, we'll talk about what that means in a minute. There's There were some charts out there. Did you all pick up a chart? I can't hear you thinking. Okay. <laughs> Is this thing on? No. <laughs> Boy, you got to get some Baptist in here and say amen or something. Amen. There you go. <laughs> anyway, that, that I, if you didn't get one of those, we'll print some more of those out. Um, this is a chart we'll look at in a little bit. Um, but when we look at the, the heaven itself, um, if you want to know a little bit about heaven, second coming stuff, First Corinthians, First uh, Thessalonians, third uh, third chapter, fourth chapter, gives us some. One of the verses there says, "But we do not want you to be uninformed." Now we is is Paul and the apostles there, brothers, which is another term for believers about those who are asleep, which is another word for dead, okay? Get all that? Um, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. So this is, it's a good verse. It's like, well, why do we need to know about heaven? Well, most of all, because we're told to. But uh, second of all, aren't you kind of curious? Um, I hope so. Uh, so they don't want to be uninformed. We don't get this wrong. Um, you know, we get a lot of stuff we've already talked about, you know, that you're going to play a harp at heaven and you're going to be bored in heaven and all how that's kind of a misnomer. And that's what these uh, sermons are about, trying to help us understand what it really is going to be like with the Bible and maybe doing some imagining as we do that. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of things out there about heaven. Uh, and, and last week we hit the fact that the default destination for everyone is not heaven, but hell. That's the biblical view. Now, you can believe the opposite. You can believe whatever you want. Um, but, you know, there's still people that believe the moon is made of green cheese. And again, you can believe whatever you want, doesn't make it true, you know. And where's our authority came from, kind of back to the membership thing, from the Bible, which we believe is the Holy Spirit inspired, and the one who it hits the most is Jesus. And Jesus, sure, he just said that, right, with the kids, our Father who is in heaven. Okay. We don't want you to be ignorant about these things. Now, what we're not talking about here, the final heaven. We'll talk about that later. Right now, we'll talk about a little bit in the chart, but this is the pla place that believers go when they die now, when they die in the present, this current place. Sometimes it's called the intermediate heaven because it's between earth and the final heaven that we'll see. And we talk about Revelation 21 hits that most. You get in Isaiah 65 and 66 also, which is kind of cool. But we do get some things about it. And these are just general statements. But in, in 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says, yes, we are of good courage and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. It's kind of, you know, I'd rather be there. And then he goes on to say, but I got things to do. So this is, this is a good thing. But I'd rather be there. Well, why would you rather be away from the body and home with the Lord? Because there's, it's, I don't know, y'all, maybe your body's doing fine. Maybe it's not. Um, maybe your spirit is struggling in this life. And so that's gone eventually. That's one of the things that we have. Um, now, it's better than here, but it's not final. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, 
for that is far better. We keep getting that. Um, have, heaven is a better place than here, um, but we get pinpricks of heaven. You're getting it right now, one of the, and not because I'm preaching, but, but because it's a worship service, because we're worshiping God, and he says, I'll be there with you, and you do this in spirit and in truth. So the final versus the current heaven, we'll hit this in the chart a little bit more, but bodily resurrection, that's what we believe in. You know, we re believe in the resurrection of the body, not just the resurrection of the soul. That's in the creeds. We sing the creed. We, we believe the creeds, Apostles' Creed and others. You have this in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, and this is talking about the final. Uh, they are buried, people in the Lord, as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural, there are spiritual. It's an interesting term, isn't it? Spiritual body. Kind of sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? It's kind of like dry water, you know. It, it, it's again spiritual there means animated by the spirit not just non-physical a little bit later in that same it will happen in a moment this is kind of explaining the second coming in the blink of an eye then the last trumpet is blown for when the trumpet sounds those who have died will be raised to live forever and all who are living will also be transformed we'll hit that again in this chart this chart's going to be cool because I made it right and it's really colorful. I got some really good colors in there. And uh, actually, hopefully, it will be useful to you. But so, so, and we talked about this with the kids. God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are present at heaven. And that's what we get again from the Lord's Prayer. Pray like this, our Father in heaven. And we see this throughout the scripture. Later in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him. So it's, it's a location to some extent, but heaven is not God. They're, they're not synonyms. Uh, heaven was created by God. In fact, in Genesis 1, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You know, that, that, that probably has a lot to do with a lot of things. Um, that's a big summary verse, isn't it? I'd like to add a bit more. <laughs> what's going on there. Uh, we don't have a lot. We do have some later. That's what we're hitting now. So he chooses to dwell there with angels and redeemed humans who have died. And this is a specific place. It's always called a specific place. Now I asked the kids, and I'll see if you guys agree, when I said, where is heaven, what did they do? You always go up. It's not, it's not down, right? It's up. Where up? We'll talk about that at the end of the sermon. So, um, but, but it is something to think about. I think what I want you to, it, the heaven is de described as a, as a specific place in the Bible. Um, the where is a little hard, but we'll, we'll talk about that after we look at our chart. Um, and that, having God's presence, God, because uh, we, we believe God's omnipresent. You've heard that term before, omni. It's not just a bad Dodge car in the 70s. It also means all are unlimited. I actually like the word unlimited a little better. So God has unlimited presence. He can be anywhere. Now, he doesn't have to be everywhere, but he can. Um, he has unlimited power, omnipotent. But he doesn't have to use it all the time, does he? I mean, he allows things to happen in this world. 
that uh, so I like the word unlimited before because it, it seems to he can use his power it's not limited he can use his presence it's not limited um, and he can use his knowledge it's not limited omniscience but but what God has done after the fall is tried to find places for people to interconnect with him obviously ultimately it's in Jesus right you know no one comes to the father except by me. But in, in the Old Testament, it, and, I sh and you shall offer the Passover sacrifice to the Lord your God from the flock of the herd at the place that the, God uh, that the Lord will choose to make his name dwell there. And we, we know where that place is, right? It's the temple, he, the tabernacle at that time. It's, God said, come there. And he said, well, I'd like to go over here. And then God said, well, that's okay. And he didn't like that much, did he? It's like, no, I, I, I gave you access. Think about it. Just, this is a little bit of an analogy, I know, but you, you, you guys are smart, and I think everybody's still awake, which is cool. You, we, we, we get this in, in today's uh, ideology. It's like, well, why do you believe that Jesus is the only way? And I don't know, how would you answer that? I, I think it's pretty easy. It's the thing we always use to three-year-olds when you're telling them to be good, right? Because I said so. Because God said so. I mean, Jesus said it. That's why we, and we can go farther than that. But how many places in the old covenant through God's people, the Jews, did God say, I'll meet you? It was just one. And they wanted more than one. Remember the woman at the well in John 4? She says, well, you guys worship down in Jerusalem. We worship here. And, and Jesus said, well, you're, Kind of, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but yeah, you're, you're doing that part wrong. <laughs> There's supposed to be one place. It's kind of a metaphor. There's always been one way. Go through that. This is how you access me. This is how you access God now is through Christ. And, you know, remember he says, destroy this temple and in three days I'll rise it back up again in John 2. And he's like, something greater than the temple is here. He's a new access. That's... Um, kind of an aside, that's kind of a sermon within a sermon. But that's why this one place, he, he always, that's grace, right? They don't deserve this. Have you read about the Israelites? They make Americans look righteous. And that's, this time it's pretty good. These people had some problems. First Kings, and listen to the plea of your servant and of your people when they pray toward this place and listen in heaven, your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. So what the temple was, was kind of a, an opening to heaven to some extent, because God chose it. Uh, we weren't, they never, the Jews never believed that God was contained in the temple. It kind of messes up the omnipresence, doesn't it? Revelation 12, therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows the time is short. But again, you who are in them. There's this a place. Everywhere it's a place. And then Peter kind of helps us with this idea of current heaven versus fire. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. We'll hit that sucker really hard later. Probably be in 2023. We were talking about that this morning. There was something from 1991. And I'm like, that's 31 years ago. I was thinking about getting a 91 motorcycle. <laughs> I 
Can I ever upgrade that? Maybe I should just not get a motorcycle. But, but so how does this all work? You got death, you got judgment, you got heaven, you got new earth, new heaven, current heaven. Well, you know what we really need is a chart, don't we? And so I did a chart when we did a heaven series. That's probably been 10 years ago. I redid the chart. Um, I think it helps because this is interesting. I do a lot of funerals. Uh, it's always a privilege to do them, especially for people who are believers that you know well, because it is, it, you know, I don't know if we want to call it a celebration. I can call it what you want. But the idea, the hope is just great there. I mean, because you know these people are in, as Paul said, and that's where we get the term, a better place. Um, but how do you get to the better place? It's good to know that. And again, this is, this is biblical. This is the way the Bible does it. Um, now, it doesn't do the chart, but this comes from the chart. Um, and if you didn't get a chart, by golly, we got a copy, or we can copy as many charts as you want. Thin reason. Until we run out of paper, right? And we get more paper. But it starts out of when we die. Now, when anybody dies... This is what happens. You have a judgment of faith. That's the key, right? This is different than almost every other religion. What does every other religion put there instead of faith? Works, deeds. Now, we got some deedy things down here, but we'll get to those later. We're going to do a lot of stuff later, aren't we? We will get there, yeah. So you get this little flowcharty thing. The question... Believe in Jesus and trust in him. That's the question. You get this in Ephesians 2, Galatians 2, Titus 3. A lot of the Gospels talk about this. i just give you some representative uh, verses there. You know, Ephesians 2. We are saved by grace through faith. So this is a judgment of trust in Jesus. Faith in him. Do you have faith? Do you not have faith? Of course, this begs another question, doesn't it? How do you know you have faith? How do I know I have enough faith? That's this little sidebar. It's shown in desire and obedience. That's how we show that we have faith. It is not what saves you. James isn't even up there, but we, some of you know this scripture. Faith without works is what? Dead. I think you know, faith without works is annoying. I can live with, but dead? Well, that means it, it, you have to think about what does faith look like, right? We never can get past the first part of that Ephesians 2, which is what the gospel is all about. Never can get past the grace. Heck, we named our church that. Grace Church. If this was a judgment of works, we'd be called Works Church or Deeds Church. But we're not. We're Grace Church. Grace is the key. If you, get a, if you start earning it, grace is not grace anymore. Grace is unearned by definition. But it's activated by trust. It, it, look at it as a gift. And God does not shove that gift down your throat. He just presents it to people and they can open it if they want it. But if you get a gift from someone that you paid nothing for, worked nothing for, it's grace that you got the gift, right? You didn't earn it. That's the key, earn. You don't earn your salvation. Because people will say, well, I have to accept the gift and that's a work. It's like, eh. I want to use the word stupid there, but I can't. Um, don't, don't think that way. It's, you don't earn it anymore. You just accept it. 
You have to accept it. That's what activates it. So, how do I know I have it? Well, 1 John 1, 2, and 3 talks about, do you have a desire for God? Do you have a hunger for his word? Do you want to worship him? Do you feel guilty when you sin? Do you want to love other people? Do you want to love other Christians? Those are the things that show us whether or not the, the spirit is in us or not. And you might be thinking, well, there's been a few times when I haven't done that. It's like, well, this is not, what do you do when you feel that way? Hopefully you pray, Lord, I shouldn't be feeling this way. Are you convicted? That's the thing. Does it look like? Maybe the best psalm is in Matthew 3 when John the Baptist says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Does it look like you've repented? If, they, if, we all, if somebody took you aside and said, we're going to try to convict you of being a Christian, would you be convicted? That's the question. Yeah. And, and, and some people, this is, makes me uneasy. It's like, good. You know, it makes me uneasy too. But again, make sure your salvation is based on what Christ did, not what you did. When it becomes about you, you will always fall short. When it comes about him, you will always have plenty, right? Good. Moving on. So, if it's yes, somebody dies. Do they believe and trust in him? Do they have this true faith? You go to what we're, I'm calling current heaven that's a place right now. But what if it's no? Well, it goes to a place, current hell. And we're going to hit all these more as we go through the heaven series. This is where non-believers go. And right here is kind of the gospel in a nutshell, right? This, and you know, when Jesus came on the scene, everybody said, this sounds really cool. We're all for it. Let's go have dinner. Right? I mean, nobody rejected Jesus when he said this stuff, did they? Why do I say that? Because it's funny because we'll say, well, I told people this and they didn't believe me. It's like, well, join the crowd. They killed our leader. You think they're always going to agree with you? That's the thing. It, but again, this is what we say is the truth. And this is the line I like to use. You know, what I have told you is true, whether you believe it or not is up to you. Whether well, this is compelling, I, I can't make somebody believe it. Jesus doesn't even make somebody believe. He gives it to them. Do you want to believe it? Believe it. Now, we realize that the Holy Spirit is there helping us understand, and that's in the background. I can't control that. Neither can you. But we can know what is true. Because we talked about loving, not being loving. If this is true, is it loving not to tell anybody? Not really. Is it hard to tell people? Yeah, that's a hard part, isn't it? So here's a little advice. Lighten up. There's a couple verses to think about. Always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have to anyone who asks you. So that's step one. Can you do that? If you go to a restaurant today and somebody says, why do you follow Jesus? Figure out what you're going to say. And if you screw it up royally, do it better next time. Because that person's salvation is not dependent on your accuracy here. But God has chosen in his infinite wisdom to give us the privilege of using and our witness. That's pretty cool. You know, it won't be cool. And I think we've got you know, Linda 
you know, died this week. You know, I, I don't know how that all works. We can all imagine. Go for it. We'll talk about those a bit tomorrow, tomorrow in the uh, memorial service. I wonder, and I, I'm pretty sure of this one. People are going to come up to her and say, you know, you're one of the reasons I'm here. You know, I know the main reason is Jesus. But you, you remember when you talked to me, when you prayed for me, when you helped me? We want that. That's that well done, good and faithful servant. And, and again, it's not because of us that they're believing, but God uses us, and that's kind of cool. You may, you know, I look around, I know people that, you probably got people in your life that maybe just were one-tenth of one percent of the reason they lucked, and that's really good. That's better than nothing, right? So what all I, so that's the first one. The other little thing to remember is this kind of comes from Stan to Reason and Greg Coco, but just put a stone in their shoe. You don't have to get to the cross in every conversation. You know, just, but if somebody asks you, that's easy, right? Somebody asks you why you believe, it's like, that's like shooting fish in a barrel, right? I mean, just tell them. And you say, well, maybe they don't like, well, they ask you. Maybe they don't like it, I don't like it. I don't know, do better, I don't know. Maybe it's their problem. You know, it's kind of back to Joshua. As for me and my house, <laughs> we're going to follow the Lord. And we should be good about that. But if somebody asks you, you don't have to, you know, if somebody says, hey, you want to go to eat? And say, hey, you know Jesus. Oh, I was talking to the other guy. <laughs> it's like, I mean, I think that's great that people have a heart for that. But, but again, just, okay, yeah, let's go eat. And then get to know him. I guess I've said two, but I'm going to add one more. It's kind of a subset of the first one. Their salvation is not dependent on you. But their salvation can be helped by you. So just, I think, sum it all up again. Just lighten up a little bit. God wants to use you as joy, not use you. It's like, because we all do that. I've done that too. It's like, man, I haven't really told that many people. How many, how many people have I seen this week that aren't even part of the church? There was that one guy when I got gas. Not that, at the pump. Um, <laughs> just seeing if you're still awake. There's a lot of Mexican restaurants in town, so you got to be careful. Um, but so you've got, right now we've got the current heaven and the current hell. This is where people are. This appears, and we're going to talk about this in the next couple of weeks. Uh, right now, just think of it as kind of a non-physical place. And I don't know if that's up here. Well, anyway, Luke 16, go there. Rich man and Lazarus gives us a little bit of a, and we'll hit that later. So... I'm seriously asking this as a non-rhetorical question. This is kind of like a class almost. Does anybody have any questions about the top? Speak now or, you know, speak later. There's no, speak whenever you want, I guess. Now there's a big line here. And notice there's a big line here. You don't cross over this line. There's nothing in the Bible that says, okay, now we got the second coming of Jesus. And you can see it, Acts 1, 1 Thessalonians 4, Colossians 3, Revelation, lots of places that the second coming of Jesus is in there. Um, this Christmas, we're going to talk about the first coming. The second coming is still in the future. There's this thing called the great white throne judgment. And it's in Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15. And there's... It's, we've hit this before, but we're going to look at it again because I'm in charge, at least for another 20 minutes, 10 minutes. 
Yeah. So you can go there if you want. Revelation 20, uh, 11. Uh, and notice we're not talking about timing, um, about when this is going to happen. We can talk about that all you want. Uh, it's not really as important as the rest of this stuff. Then I saw a great white throne. Now you know why it's called the great white throne judgment, right? And him who was seated on it, from his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. That's kind of what First Peter is talking about. Everything goes away that's been created. We're going to start new. And I saw the dead, great and small. So I saw the what? These are people that are in one of these two places because they're dead. There's nothing wrong with being dead. Well, you know what I mean. I mean, it happens to all of us. It's the, this wrong, the wrong is being in the wrong place at dead. So I saw the dead great and small. So this is, and, and then you have standing before the throne and books were open. Uh, and again, I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Maybe their iPads now don't get caught up in that. It's, it's probably a little bit metaphoric. A record of something. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. This is key. We see this kind of float in the New Old Testament. It comes through some of the letters Jesus talks about, it, and we have it here in Revelation. And then later, in, at the very end there in 2127, the book of life is quite important. And the book of life is essentially a book that anybody who did this is in. That makes sense? That's really not that hard, is it? Um, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books. So now we're back to the books. Um, we think there's probably a book per person. According to what? What they'd done. That includes everything you've done, right? But I don't know how that book works, but it seems like to me you could have all this stuff, you know, took the Lord's name in vain, cussed a referee, you know, these are things you guys might do. Uh, <laughs> anything, anything that's in there that's bad, you know, that'd be the red stuff, and then there's the green stuff. But I, I think in everybody's book that, that ha that's a believer, there's a little asterisk. It says, see last page, and it says, go to book of life. Because that's another thing you've done. It's not just your deeds that get judged. It's your deed here, your, 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 your decision. That's also included here. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it, death and Hades, so talking about these dudes, um, who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to what they had done. So both get judged by what they've done. So far, it's almost like the bad news, right? So now it would be a good time if we were an Eastern religion or some of the contemporary American religions now that we'd say, man, if you did more good than you did bad, you get to go to heaven. But that's not what it says. That would be based on works, wouldn't it? Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. What I'm calling final hell. And I thought we'd do that, we'll do that later. This is the second death. The first death is here. The second death is here. So not only are you separate from God, you're set for a period of time in this current heaven or current hell, you're separate from God forever. It's the second death. And this is your key verse, 15. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. There's your criteria, grace. 
it, it comes even in the book of Revelation. So what happens here at the second coming, there's a great white throne judgment. Anybody who's in current heaven, their name's already in the book of life, correct? Final heaven, which is what 21 and 22 talk about, which we'll hit other time. And if you're here, you go here. Notice what the Bible never gives us. There's a lot of opportunity here to go from here to here. That's in some even pseudo-Christian religions. You get another second, you get another second chance. I've heard it said like this. Well, God is a loving God. Yes or no? Yeah. And, you know, some people might not really thought about it that much in this life. Yes or no? Yeah. So don't you think God would give another shot after they see things more clearly? Now, that kind of follows to some extent. In fact, I'm, I might like that. What's the problem with it? It's not biblical. There's no information that says this. Now, uh, careful, and this is being recorded, but anyway, if God wants to give someone a second chance, that's up to him. But he's never taught that. It's not up to us. And it might make me feel better that if he, it doesn't really matter. He doesn't, you know, I don't know if you knew this, maybe you did, that he did not come and say, Brian, well, how do you feel about all this? Because I, I want to do some stuff, but I really, I'm really worried about how you feel. He, he didn't consult me, he didn't consult you. This is the way it is. And again, we got to teach it like it is. So what you have is boom, boom. That's all we have. You get it in Hebrews, you know, there's appointed unto people to live once and then the judgment. Nothing in between, you know. And I realize why those, those different religions do that because it does make us feel better, right? Um, but it's just never taught. And what does that do to the cross? You know, it's like, well, it's kind of useful. Well, what does it do to this life? You just kind of, well, I'll just kind of skate, you know. I'm going to get another shot. Well, think about it. This is, have you heard of Pascal's wager, y'all? It's the idea of uh, you take each possibility for a ride and see the consequences. So let's say they're right. I don't think they are because the Bible says they're not. But let's say people, they're right. You do get a second shot. And we're teaching that you don't. Well, it, we're annoying people, but we're not sentencing anybody to hell, right? I mean, some of us Christians, especially pastors, we're really good at being annoying, especially if I go late, which I'm trying not to. But what about if it goes the other way around? What if you're teaching it, you get a second chance, and you don't? The consequences there are a lot worse. So just... Using that, you should do. It's not the only reason. The main reason, you because Jesus said so. Let's just go with that. And so the Bible puts that out. So all of this comes. So the only thing different is there's going to be people still alive at the second coming. And then they have, or do you believe? They never will experience current heaven or current hell. They'll just go right to final heaven and final. Does that make sense? If it's not, my card's out there. Email me, text me. And we'll make more copies of the chart. So that's just the start of our chart. Um, I guess I did have fun making it. Uh, math major, hadn't done flowcharts for a long time. Kind of cool. 
I never knew how much my math major would help me in my ministry, but it is quite helpful. So Kev, current heaven is a real place. That's what we have to remember. Uh, so where is it? Um, we have in when Stephen is being killed, um, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God, and he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. A place. It's never said that it's not real. But how many other people saw this at that time? Did the dudes throwing the rocks at him see this? Doesn't look like it. But we have some of that too. If you, we used this before in the past, but when Elisha, not Jah, is uh, surrounded by enemy armies and it looks like they're trying to kill him and his servant is there with him and Elijah sees something and he's very calm, but the servant doesn't see it. And Elijah prays, oh Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes and he looked and he saw the hillside around Elisha was filled with the horses and chariots of fire. They were already there. That's where we get that Chariots of Fire, the movie and the whole thing. That there's something there that we don't see, protection for them. And something had to change. They were already there. It was the seeing that was the problem. It, the, the location, they were there. So, this is just an aside, do what you want with it. It's always nice to end a sermon so your brain kind of goes right before you leave. But uh, where God is, where his spirit dwells, is it possible? And this is all I'm putting it. This is the way I think about it. And maybe it's because of Star Trek. I don't know. But is it like a different dimension? That there is those angels and God and these things. And we just don't see it unless we're given the spiritual eyes to see it. Zachariah got the spiritual eyes to see it just for a moment in the temple. And we'll talk about that in Christmas time, right? Balaam and his donkey saw it a little earlier if you know that story, and there was an angel stand, but eventually Balaam can see it too. The angel was still there. And what we might find out, and we're going to hit this next week, what is physical in one realm may be non-physical in another. You didn't know the sermon was going to be this cool, did you? <laughs> it's thought to talk about. In my opinion, you're never going to exhaust talking about this stuff, even when you're in the current heaven and the new heaven and the new earth. Because these are things about relationships and about things that I think it's fun to talk about and fun to try to understand. But what is key is that God has all of this in his hand. He knows where he's at. He's got it taken care of. He's got our loved ones that have died in the Lord are not orphaned. They are with him. That is promised. And he has made eternal provision for all who truly trust him. That's the key. Get the top part of that chart. How it all works in the background, I'm not sure. I have my conjectures. But it sure is fun to talk about. It's always fun to talk about eternal things. Because that's what we were made for in the first place. Let us pray. Father, as we look at these texts, it, it is kind of fun to look at what you've done. But not fun to realize that uh, people reject your good news, reject your son, reject the grace, um, and just pray for each one here that we don't do that. We remember what you've done for us, and we try to live a life worthy of the calling. You give us the ability to do that through your word, through each other, through your spirit. May we always uh, focus uh, 
on this earth as your servants, always looking for the hope that we have in the place with you called heaven.